Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> Did you know that last weekend marked the 23rd anniversary of when Bill and Cindy actually started the Met in the auditorium of South Lake Carroll High School? In fact, we've got some people here that were there on that day that started uh, uh, with them. And it was because they answered the call that God had placed on their heart to start a church where people who previously would have never stepped foot into a church would want to come. They've gotten to see thousands upon thousands of lives change through their ministry. Now, most of you know that uh, this past May, our hearts were broken when we got the news that uh, Cindy had passed away. She died uh, due to complications from Huntington's Korea. It's a genetic disease that she was diagnosed with uh, a few years ago. And since then, Bill has been doing exactly what he should be doing. He's been a loving father to his kids and his family. He's been leading his staff, and he's been resting at the feet of Jesus. And he's having God just pour into him and fill him back up till he felt he was ready to pour back into y'all. And today is that day that he's ready. So would you help me welcome back our pastor, Dr. Bill Ramsey. This is uh, an emotional weekend for me uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one most pronounced reason is the uh, first weekend in uh, 42 plus years that I've done this without having Cindy. Sorry. So that uh, weighs pretty heavy on me. A lot of wonderful memories, wonderful memories. I remember right before she went into the hospital, uh, with her illness progressing, she would lose track a lot of times of times and day, and she wouldn't even know many times that it was Sunday. But the last weekend before she entered the hospital, we did like we always did. Got her up, got coffee, and got her chocolate milk, (laughs) got her situated. And then she would usually fall asleep on the couch and I would kiss her and leave. That particular weekend, unlike a lot of the other weekends, as I was going out the door, she she got up. She said, hey, wait, wait. And I said, what? Kind of surprised me. She said, I just want you to know, I'm gonna be praying for you today. So, (laughs) 
That was a great memory. <laughs> Her ministry kind of turned from a lot of the things she was able to do to the most important thing that she was able to do, and that was kind of pray for me. And God knows I need it <laughs> in, uh, in our family. So I'm just saying it's kind of an emotional weekend for me. I'll get through this, but uh, I'm just so glad. I have so many people to, to be thankful for. I want to thank Rob and our staff for doing such an amazing job during this time. Yeah. And, um, and for all of our volunteers, you guys were amazing. And our church family, oh my gosh, I can't, the hundreds and really thousands of prayers that have been prayed and the people that have supported us. Actually, our church has been growing, but our church actually grew through this whole period of time that I haven't been able to be here. And I knew I could be back in the office, but I, I knew I wasn't ready to do this. There's a different uh, energy you have to have to be able to do this effectively. And I always knew you can't give what you don't have. And I just didn't have it. And so I really spent a lot of time, I was telling Rob and the guys about it, just trying to find something that selfishly would help me through this. And ironically, it was a study of heaven that kind of helped me navigate and has helped me navigate through this situation. I mean, Cindy was my soulmate, right? We were dating at 17, married at barely 18 years old. I haven't known anything but her. We raised each other. <laughs> so having that kind of taken from you in the way that it happened has caused me to have to readjust to some new normals. And uh, it's not what I wanted and it's not what I prayed for, but it is what it is. So I adjust to it and I know that God loves me and loves her and he loves you and he has a plan. So I'm just trying to connect dots and uh, take it a day at a time. And I'm grateful for the people who have supported us. A lot of friends that just showed up and shut up, you know, and that was a, <laughs> that was a great blessing too. And uh, it's just been a wonderful thing to to have an empathy and a sympathy for people that I've just never had before. Grief will do one thing, it will sensitize you to the hurts and the pains of other people. Mm -hmm. Trust me on that one. You'll have a, a compassion for people that you never knew possible. It has that effect on you. And I'm just curious this morning, there's nobody here but us. I'm just wondering this morning, how many of you uh, would say, Bill, I know what you're going through, I, I, I lost a spouse too. Would you, would you just stand for a minute all over the room? I don't wanna embarrass you. Would you, do you mind? If, would you stand for just a minute? It's okay. Would you stand, now just remain standing just for a minute. How many of you have a, a child who's in heaven? Just remain standing. You have a child. You, you've lost a child. Would you stand if you've lost it? you have a child in heaven? I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. How many of you would say, I've got a brother or sister that's in heaven and I want to honor their memory. I'll stand in honor of my brother or sister. How about a mom or a dad or a grandparent? You'll stand in honor of them this morning. All right, and for the rest of you, how many of you say, I got a friend? I got somebody I know that's, that's in heaven today, not with me today. Isn't that amazing? I'm just telling you, my experience is your experience. What I hope this series does is connect you and I in a meaningful way so that we understand we all connect on a level of pain and we all connect on a level of grief. And by the way, we need each other. Mm -hmm. Would you do something before you sit down? Would you turn to that person next to you, hug them till they turn blue? Would you do that? <laughs> Give them a big old hug. <laughs> Thank you. Please, please be seated. And I certainly don't want to fail to, to thank my, my family for their amazing support. My kids were so incredible and continue to be uh, Whitney and Rick and Shannon and Billy and our babies and 
my brother, sister, all of our family. Just been so amazing to help us navigate through this. Many of you followed Shannon's, uh, the story uh, that Shannon put out on prayers for Cindy on the Facebook page. I don't know how many of you follow that. Shannon actually did that. And I was so thankful for her to, for doing that. And we just kind of huddled up and tried to figure out how we're going to get through that hospital stay, right? There at the hospital for 22 days. Cindy was on life support for 22 days. And not supposed to be on life support, that type of life support, the way she was more than about 14. So she was developing a lot of problems. And in this period of time, as God was really pouring into me and helping me understand the hope of heaven, he taught me some things that I hope I can teach you. This weekend, I'm just trying to get my equilibrium back. (laughs) And next weekend, I want to drop into some bigger teaching on this topic. So I hope you'll come back and be a part of this. Next weekend, we'll get into the place called heaven. Next weekend, we're going to talk about the people who are in heaven. So I hope you'll come back. But this weekend, I just want to talk to you about what I've understood about what's happened here in my life and Cindy's life. See if you can relate. I believe with all my heart that we're here for a purpose. You're not an accident. You're an incident. God created you with a design in mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 was kind of my text, Rob, the last weekend before Cindy went in the hospital. I went back and revisited those notes. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, remember, who was it, the birds that sang this? To everything, there's a, a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, and so forth. Well, in that Ecclesiastes, in that verse, it's the idea that time, our time is connected to our purpose. So as long as we have purpose, God will give us time. And the minute our purpose is up, God will call us home. So we're here for that period of time. And so as we began to think about that and as we began to consider the situation at the hospital that Cindy's time might be short, it really, I really struggled because it was hard for me to accept the idea that her purpose could be up. I just didn't see that. I mean, it was a difficult thing for me to wrap my mind around. I said, how in the world could her purpose, I need her, my kids need her, we got grandbabies now that need her, our church family, we, we need, I said, how could her, how could her, she not have purpose? And then I realized it wasn't my purpose, but it was God's purpose. And that his purpose for her on this earth might be coming to a close. And so I was trying to wrap my mind around this idea of trusting God with something that I didn't understand, something that I, by the way, didn't agree with. He didn't ask my permission, seldom does. And I had to come to terms with the idea that sometimes things happen in life that are out of our control. And you have to get to that point where you just say, God, I simply trust you. Once we got this diagnosis that Cindy had Huntington's chorea, that's a terminal illness. And we knew in 2014, she and I started really what what you would just kind of think of our long goodbye. And we began the doctor's visits and got her in the best care in the world in UT Southwestern. Dr. Pedrigo Sullivan's a brilliant, brilliant neurologist who specializes in that field. And so we had her with the best care in the best hospital in the world and we'd take her to those visits, but man, it was just so... I don't know, disheartening a little. To leave those visits every six months and basically know we're losing ground. We're just losing ground. And I want to tell you, man, I've never prayed more for anything in my life than I prayed for her. I mean, I'm listening to guys and they're saying, well, it's always and forever the will of God to heal everyone and of everything if you just have enough faith. 
So I'm listening to that. And I'm thinking, well, man, that doesn't exactly square because I know faith healers that die. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew there had to be more to it than that. But on the other hand, I believe in healing. I knew God can do, I mean, I've talked to physicians who said, I've seen situations that was, I couldn't explain by medical science. It was just miraculous. And so I, I knew the possibility was there that God could heal her. But I guess the first thing I would tell you that I encountered in this journey was a crisis, a crisis of my own faith. I've said before, you really don't know how strong your faith is till it gets tested, and I've never had a stronger test than this one. Cindy was the strongest Christian I've ever known. She was my best friend. Be honest with you, if something like that happened to me, I'd go, well, that that, that makes sense. (laughs) I get that. That sounds about right. Had to be something. But when it happened to her, I mean, those of you that know her, it's just like, gosh, man, how in the world? I mean, my kids even, it kind of set them back on their heels and it, it kind of made even her family. And, and one of the amazing things, and I shared this at her memorial service that just was incredible about Cindy, is she, she never complained. Now, we crashed and burned when we got the diagnosis, you know, in 2014 that she had this. But when she recovered, she pressed into God, she poured into her family as long as she could. She was a vital part of everything we were doing up here. She was my biggest supporter. And she just went and went and went, never complained. She never said, why me? Why this? This doesn't make sense. I said all that, but she didn't say any of that. And I'm just suggesting to you that sometimes the worst things happen to the best people. And when that, you go through something like that, it will create a crisis. I don't care how strong your faith is. You'll start wondering, man, did I miss God somewhere? Did I, did I miss it somewhere, you know? And then when you check your list and you go, well, it's not me, well, then it's God. And so you got going, what, what the what, you know? What's going on here? And so you struggle and you, and you pray. Like I said, I, man, I prayed every day. I researched sickness in the scriptures and where it came from and I realized all, all sickness is a result of original sin. Everything went wrong in the garden, right? Genesis 2. And then I looked in Psalm 38 and I saw where some sickness is tied to particular sin, right? You do stupid things, stupid things happen, right? So sometimes, you know, I bring stuff on myself, you bring stuff, we have bad habits, we do things that, you know, and, and all of a sudden we get sick as a result of, I get that. But then there's a third category that Cindy fell into and that was in John chapter nine where there was a man born blind. And the apostles asked Jesus, was this man's parents sinful that he should be born blind or even did he sin? And they were connecting sin to bad things that happened in your life. It's just a religious mentality that just assumed that God's mad at everybody, right? And Jesus looked at him and said, no, it's not about sin. God's not mad at anybody. This happened to this man simply so that God could receive greater glory. Uh, Put it another way, so that God could be seen in his life experience in a unique way. So I started kind of bending my mind around, okay, maybe God is wanting to be seen in a unique way through Cindy's experience with Huntington's Korea and how we take care of her during this journey. But I still prayed every day for her healing. I prayed every, when we went into the hospital, and man, it suddenly got real. 
Within 24 hours of her being admitted into Zale Lipsy, which by the way is an amazing hospital, but within 24 hours of her admission, she was on life support. My head spun. I said, how in the world did we go Sunday to her telling me I'm gonna pray for you today while you speak to Wednesday, that now Thursday, she's on life support. What went wrong? And I'm hearing these doctors tell me about how she's been aspirating and how she has been developing pneumonia and how as a result of that, she's also have issues with her, her kidneys and her CK levels that are, should be at 200 on her kidneys are 17,000. So she had kidney failure, her liver was being impacted, her heart was failing. In a crisis, Mother's Day morning, about two o'clock in the morning. I would stay at the hospital, as I told you, I stayed with her for 22 days. You get to know a hospital when you're there 22 days. <laughs> yes, I showered. <laughs> yes, I changed clothes. Kids took care of me. There's a shower on the seventh floor, by the way. If you ask the right people, they'll let you use it. They gotta be around you, they'll beg you to use it. <laughs> But after 22 days up there, we had a routine down. Shannon would try to stay most of the nights, but we wanted Billy to be home with Whitney. And, and by the way, our precious Evie's a fighter. She's still with us and she's here this morning. Yeah. So we'd push Billy out of the hospital at night so he could be with Whit and, and Evie. And, and I told Shannon, you need to go home. This is Mother's Day. It's gonna be Witt's first Mother's Day with Evie Baby, and you need to go home and be with your kids. They're gonna have something. But I'm good, I'm good to go. So they went home, and so I'm at the hospital with Cindy. Because of the seriousness of her illness, we had what they call a sitter. Someone would be in her room with her 24-7, and so I was over there in that real comfortable recliner in ICU. <laughs> Anybody ridden that deal a few days? And so I was over there with her and about two o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, she had some sort of a respiratory attack. Now we're talking about tubes down her throat and yet she just started convulsing and all the little lights and bells and whistles. And by the way, at this point, she had about 10 drips going. And so they brought in, they called for a crash cart. They started bagging her and a nurse grabbed my arm and said, you're gonna need to leave. So I stood out in the hall as they worked on her. And down the hall came the chaplain. That's never good. Mm -hmm. I just stopped him. I said, I know who you are. I am you. I said, I don't mean no disrespect. I've been there, I've done that. I know what you're, I, know, I can tell you the verses you're about to quote me. I know the things you're about to get me to consider. I know all that. I said, it's not my faith right now that's really messed up, it's my emotions. I said, man, you can go back and lay down, I got this. <laughs> he said, well, Bill, you've been on my side of this, but you've never been on your side. So while they're working on her, now this is 2.30 in the morning on Mother's Day. I'm just saying, you know, God, I'm, 
not of this out of my hands, but I really wouldn't like my kids not to lose their mother on Mother's Day. So I thought, well, do I call them, right? I mean, are they going to be upset if this is it and they're not aware of it? And so I struggled with, do I call them? What do I do? I text them. So I went down in the little room and I texted them. I thought, okay, if they answer the text, they were supposed to be here. So I texted them, nothing. So then I thought, well, I'll call them. Now I'll call them. If they answer the phone, I know they were supposed to be here. Went to voicemail. I don't know, I just had this incredible peace. I thought, we're, I think we're gonna be okay right now. I don't think this is it. And sure enough, a few minutes later, the head nurse came around and said, Bill, we've got her stable. She's gonna be okay for now. But they said, we need you to know she's gone over a cliff tonight. Barring a miracle, you're not gonna get her back. So she's hanging on by a branch, she said. And if the branch lets go or she lets go, you're gonna lose her. So about, that was about three days in, and for 19 more days, that's kind of how we lived in a crisis. I would sit in the lobby, Zell Lipsy, if you've ever been there, the lobby's beautiful. It reminded me of a hotel lobby in Maui. I, I, almost, I could almost imagine that I wasn't in a hospital. So I'd take a break while they were cleaning her or changing her and they were doing a shift change or what. So I needed to be out of the room. So I'd go down and I'd sit in the lobby and middle of the night I'd sit down there. You know, you only sleep for two or three hours at a time. So in this crisis, I was having some conversations with God. One of the things I remember talking to him about was Isaiah 38, where Hezekiah was, was going to die. He had a sickness, the Bible says, was unto death. So Hezekiah did what I was doing. He begged God, you know, to give him another shot, give him some more time. And so God answered his prayer and said, I'm going to give you 15 more years, right? So I'm telling God, you did that once, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 15 more years? I said, and Hezekiah said to God, if you'll give me, read it in Isaiah 38. He said, if you give me 15 more years, I'll spend every day bringing you honor. I'll tell my kids about how amazing and awesome you are. I said, that's the, I'll do that. <laughs> I have no problem. I'll do that. Are you kidding me? And then I went on to tell God about another story in the Bible. I said, you remember Lazarus, right? I said, you remember what happened there? I've told our church about that story. And I said, man, can you imagine? I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm having this conversation, not out loud because I don't want people to think I'm crazy. But I'm having this conversation, this inner dialogue, uh, you know, with God, having the communion in that lobby in the wee hours of the morning saying, can you imagine the impact it would make on the medical community in this hospital if she who is now the sickest person in the, in the neurointensive care unit were to recover? Can you imagine the doctors that would scratch their heads saying, there's gotta be something to this faith, man. That is amazing. That's so cool, that's amazing. And I said, man, you brought Lazarus back. You could bring her back. And what Lazarus did, remember, he traveled with you. And there's verses that said they didn't come to see Jesus, but they came to see Lazarus that he raised from the dead. So Jesus brought him around because he drew a crowd. I said, man, I'll take her on the road. <laughs> I'll load that chick up and we'll tell everybody about this deal. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. 
And I'm just telling you, you know, in those moments, of, it's not really bartering with God, but just really having a serious talk about reminding myself of what he did and knowing that the God that did this can do this. Mm-hmm. If he did it once, he can do it again. And so I, I, was just, I was just going back and forth, back and forth, praying, God, please touch her, please heal her, give us more time, do this, please do this. And ultimately, a crisis led me to this second point, and that was a crossroads. On May 31st, my kids were there, and the head doctor came and said, we're losing her, she's had another respiratory attack. We were out in the little waiting area, they were working on her, and so we went in the room. Now guys, I love praying prayers when the prayers get answered, and I love that, because you don't have much of a crisis going on in your life when you pray certain prayers and they get answered the way you hoped they would. But let me tell you what will cause a crisis in your life that'll lead you to a crossroad is when you pray prayers. And I wasn't praying that, you know, money would start falling out of heaven. I, I wasn't praying that, you know, I was praying a good, for a good thing. I was praying for my wife to be okay and for my kid's mother, you know, to be okay and for the kid's grandmother to be fine and the church's pastor's wife to be back. I mean, does that sound bad to you? <laughs> Didn't sound bad to me. Did it sound like I was asking too much? I didn't think I was asking too much. I was reminded of when Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, you remember the story he had the thorn in the flesh? He prayed three times. And the dynamic of that three times and got no answer is the fact that in Acts 20, he's preaching this long sermon and there's this guy up in the window listening to him preach and fell asleep and the guy fell out of the window and died. I've never had that happen to me yet. (laughs) My goal is to finish before you do. But Paul, when the guy fell to his death, it's all in Acts 20, he ran out, covered him, and prayed over him, and the guy came back to life. Now, juxtapose those two stories with what's going on. Here on one hand, a man dies, Paul prays one prayer, and he's brought back to life. Paul personally prays three times, nothing happens. It's a crisis. And when you read 2 Corinthians 12, here's what happened. God said, no, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, but I'm not gonna remove the thorn. And here was the crisis that brought me to a crossroad, and here it is. It wasn't do I have enough faith to be healed, but it was do I have enough faith not to be healed? What if God says no? What if he doesn't do what you thought he would do and you prayed he would do? And he, but I don't mean to be a downer here. I'm just saying that's my world right now. Mm-hmm. And if that's not yours, then thank God I'll celebrate and party with you. But right now, I'm on that side of this issue. And I'm saying a crisis will bring you to a crossroads. And when I'm in that hospital and we're standing on one side of that girl, holding her hand for the last time, praying for her for the the last time and leaning in and kissing her for the last time. Don't tell me it doesn't bring you to a crossroads. I was fortunate and we were grateful that I could be there at that moment. Some people don't get that opportunity. 
Billy and Shannon were on the other side of the bed and we held her hand. This girl that I'd known since I was 17, I married at 18, the love of my life, my soulmate, my best friend. In a heartbeat, she was gone. Crossroad. <laughs> so how, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with that? <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of things that happen in your mind. A lot of firsts you have to navigate through. Four days after her memorial service, had a wedding anniversary. She's got a birthday coming up in a few weeks. Already dreading the holidays. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Crossroad. Kind of reminded me of the continental divide, right? You have the snow melt. On one side, the water goes to the Atlantic and a snow melt. On the other side, the water goes to the Pacific. Depends on which side of that divide you're on. On one side, there's a sorrow you have. And when Paul described it, he says, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. So there's hope on one side of the mountain. On the other side of the mountain, there's doubt and despair. And I'll be honest with you, I had my moments at that crossroads where I wondered if what I had been teaching, preaching, what I've been telling you was really true. I mean, I sat there and I really wondered, man, what if I got it wrong? What if there is no heaven? What if this is all there is? I'm just telling you about my dark moment. <laughs> That's pretty dark, isn't it? <laughs> but I was there. And you know what I had to do? Here's what I had to do. I had to not rely on how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. I had to rely on what God's word had said. Amen. You know what it did? You know what it's continuing to do? It's pulling me back over to the right side of that mountain. Because how I'm feeling is, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm uncertain. What his word says, you can know. You can be sure. You can be certain. One of the things about this series, we're calling it prepared. We're calling it prepared because Jesus said in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's nothing wrong with being troubled, but don't be overwhelmed is the idea. Paul said, if we don't sorrow like people who have no hope, we have hope, but we do sorrow. I mean, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentation. <laughs> it just means weeping. If you wanna have a depressing time, just go read through that book. <laughs> Shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept, right? So these tears, this emotion, somebody told me, I was just trying to think, man, at what point? I said, man, I think I've been, I broke down every day for, you know, since we, she went into the hospital, I hadn't had a day. I'll, I'll wake up some mornings and think, I'm good. And all of a sudden, I'll see her purse or I'll see, I'm like, oh, I'm not good. <laughs> so it's a healthy thing, they tell me, to grieve. You just don't grieve like people who have no hope. So the hope of heaven, the idea that Cindy is absent from her body but she's present with the Lord and the hope I have is one day, one day, I'm gonna see her again. Amen. Let me close with this. I've shared this with some of you guys before so maybe you've heard it. If you have, play along, would you? <laughs> but um, 
When I grew up in my dad's church, they would sing this hymn. Uh, I won't sing it. Uh, you've been so sweet to stay. I don't want to stampede the herd here at the end. <laughs> but it went like this. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over. My Lord and I, I'll ask the reasons and he'll tell me why when we talk it over in the by and by. It has a beautiful sentiment. It's the idea that one day all of our questions will be answered and one day we can sit down with God and we can ask him, why did this happen? Why me? Why this? Why now? So I remember as a kid thinking, well, that's a, a pretty sweet sentiment. But as I got older, I thought, well, is heaven going to be a big Q&A with God? I mean, how's that going to work? I mean, we're going to line up and Ramsey, step, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and I step up, well, in 2004, you know, whatever. You know, is that really how it's going to be? And then I realized, no, not, not, not really. Here's how I think it's going to be. I don't yet have a glorified body. I know that may surprise some of you. <laughs> and I don't have a glorified mind, and that might surprise more of you. But one day I will. In 2 John it says, Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. One day I'm going to have his mind. I'm going to know what he knows. Here's what I think that looks like. One of these days I will have preached my last message. One of these days I will have lived my last day. One of these days I will step into the presence of my Savior and I'll embrace Cindy Jean once more. Mm -hmm. And I really think when that moment comes, the moment I'm absent from my body and I'm present with my Lord, when I have a glorified mind, here's, here's what I think the first thing I'm gonna say when I step into heaven. Are you ready for this? I'm going to say, oh, oh, okay. Okay. We're good now. We're good now. Down there, not so much. <laughs> but up here, we're good now. So I'm just saying, folks, heaven has given me hope. And I hope you'll come back next weekend. Stay with me through this series. If you know somebody that's as messed up as me, and you probably don't have to look far, bring them with you next week. We're going to get through this. It's going to be, I promise you, I'll pull the nose of the plane up next week. And we're going to have some good stuff to talk about as we talk about heaven. Thanks for being here. Thanks for helping me through this one. God bless. You're awesome. And truly, make sure that you do bring somebody back. We all have people that are going through something. We all have people who are questioning what's going on here. And uh, they all need the hope of heaven. And that's what this series is going to be about. And so have somebody here. We are just so blessed to be able to have a, a pastor that is so transparent, that's willing to stand up here and say that all your troubles are your troubles. But he's willing to share his heart because he knows what you're going through, because he's going through it as well. And so let this series be something that we can go through together, and that's the heart of our church to do that. So bring somebody uh, back and be a part of this, and, um, because we know that, that uh, God is gonna do some great things through his story, through this testimony, and through this series. So we hope to see you next week. I'll pray, and we can go home. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the assurance that we have 
that you are with us, that you do have a plan, and that you will see us through. God, we just thank you for the fact that no matter the situation, no matter how dark, no matter what we go through, we have the hope because your son died on the cross for us and he rose again. So God, help us as we leave this place that if we're at a crossroads, that if we're in a crisis, to understand that because we have you, we have everything we need. Be the strength for anyone going through that and help us to be a light to a world that needs to see that you are the answer to all things. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. See you next weekend, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.